It's Wild Weekly on the fan. Pass it from Kaprizov, Johnson scores! Now here to talk about the Minnesota Wild and the NHL. From the Wild, Kevin Falness, And from the fan, Brandon Molesky. Hey, good evening. Welcome to KFN Wild Weekly. I'm Brandon Molesky. Kevin Falness joining me from the XL Energy Center, where the Wild take on the Philadelphia Flyers about 45 minutes from now. Uh, Kevin, how you doing tonight? I think I'm okay. I'm glad I'm not inside that wild locker room because it's not very happy right now. They're having a tough little stretch. They got their butts handed to them by the Jets, and now it's the uh, Dallas Stars' turn to finish off their season series and just completely wax them over that three-game set, including twice this past week. So it's been uh, it's been a rough go. Yeah, the Wild had gone a nice little stretch there after John Hines took over as head coach, and they were winning a bunch of games and. You know, even at the time, Kevin, I said, you know, they've, they've put themselves in such a big hole that this team just doesn't have a lot of margin for error. Is it possible they can make the playoffs? Sure, but you got to stay healthy. Everything's got to go right, and obviously the health uh, keeps going the wrong way. Spurgeon injured back again. Kaprizov injured in that series after Christmas against Winnipeg. Brodine's been out for a while. Gustafson got hurt against Winnipeg, and... uh this team has has struggled with a lot without a lot of their big pieces here over the last two weeks. Yeah, and I think we talked about it last week or maybe the week before. Whenever I mean, because these injuries have been continual. Um, it's not so much the fact that they've lost a guy here or there. They've lost all their big guns at exactly the same time. I mean, at one point you had two of your top six wingers out of the lineup, two of your top four defensemen out, your number one goaltender out. Um, it's not an excuse. It's a fact. It's been hard to overcome. And now, gradually, these guys are starting to filter back in the lineup. you got Felino and Zuccarello back, but you're still missing some very key pieces. And for a team that's already working on a razor-thin budget, it's hard to make up that. You, you, you can't replace a Kirill Kaprizov. Love me some Nick Patan. Uh, you know, so whoever else you want to throw in there. But it ain't Kirill Kaprizov, one of the top ten you players in the Lucini national. You can take over for him? Unfortunately, no. Or Raska? No, unfortunately, no. Uh, God love them. They're doing their best, and it's just not enough when uh, you're missing one of the top ten players in the entire NHL. Well, yeah, yeah. $27 million on injured reserve right now. And then, of course, you already mentioned the, the $14 million of Parisian suitor due to the buyout. So... $41 million of your salary cap is out right now, and offensively, uh, this team has been struggling. Two goals in their two games combined against Dallas. They did have the four with the overtime winner and the comeback against Columbus, but the previous two games, just one goal each against Tampa Bay and Calgary. Obviously, we know they struggled in Winnipeg. Um, offensively, it's just it's it's tough for them right now, and then that'll happen when, you, when your best player is out. Yeah, and the special teams, too. I mean, they've yeah. been completely exposed against Dallas. It happened last spring, and it's continued here in the regular season. The first two games in particular, where they were scoring on the power play, they were scoring, scoring shorthanded, they were uh, dominating uh, the, the wild penalty kill, and then the other night uh, in the rematch, in the third of three games, they did it even strength as well, and they put a 7-2 beatdown on Jesper Volstead on his uh, in his NHL debut. It's uh it's been tough right now. Um they have an opportunity here over the course of the next 3 games. Not that anything's easy at this point in time for this wild squad yeah. con- considering where they are, but you have an opportunity. You're on home ice. You got 3 games and 4 nights against teams that are I shouldn't say beatable, but I mean, you got Philadelphia, that's a beatable team, Arizona's a beatable team, and then an always tough Islanders squad coming in here on Martin Luther King's Day on Monday. So uh, an opportunity to get some points, they got to do it because honestly at this point, as you make your way into the middle of January, your season's hanging in the balance. Yeah, and I saw one of those, if you want a ray of hope, I did see one of those uh, analytics types things yesterday that you basically said, 
the wild, I don't like to say easiest, just like in a, when you play golf, you don't say a hole's the easiest on the course, you say it's the least difficult. Yeah. But the wild, uh, from an analytic standpoint, have the least difficult schedule remaining the rest of the way. So I guess if you want to look at some positivity now, without Caprice, without Brodine, Spurgeon, I, I don't know if that matters a whole lot, Kevin, but if, if for some reason they could find a way to get healthy for the rest of the season, that's a big if at this point. I guess there's still a little bit of positivity on the horizon. It's funny because I remember talking earlier in the season about how much we were being force-fed the Eastern Conference continually on that schedule. And then finally, you turn the corner and you're facing a bunch of Central Division teams. That didn't work out in their favor no. because they faced Winnipeg and Dallas at probably the absolute worst time when, when yep. you're missing some key guys from the lineup. But uh, regardless, like you said, the uh, th- there's a little ray of sunshine here as you make your way into the middle of January. This, the schedule does lighten up a little bit, and now it's up to them to make the most of it. Hopefully they can get healthy. That's going to be the biggest key to everything and see where it goes from here. Uh, the Wild playing a Flyers team tonight. I think there's two storylines with this Flyers team, Kevin. One, we love our Minnesota connections. Bobby Brink, Ryan Paling, Noah Cates, Nick Sealer, all Philadelphia Flyers. They're all uh, one of us originally from Minnesota. And then uh, they had a big trade this week. Uh, one of the stars from the U.S. World uh, Juniors teams, uh, Cutter Gauthier, they traded. Apparently, he, he uh, didn't want to play for Philadelphia. I don't know if he just didn't want to play for the head coach or something's going on with the organization, but uh, after having a good tournament, they trade him. They bring in Jamie Drysdale, who was the number 6 overall pick uh, a couple seasons ago. I think he might have been in that Rossi draft um, defenseman for Anaheim. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Listening to John LeClaire going out there, and he wouldn't talk to LeClaire, wouldn't talk to Sharp, wouldn't talk to some of the other big names, Danny Briere, And he just says, nope, I'm going away. So they say, okay, we don't want you. And now you get Drysdale. He's already had a couple of games under his belt. So one of the storylines to follow tonight. We're doing a short segment here because Kevin Gore can talk a lot, Kevin. And yeah. we, we need to give him lots of time. Yeah, so, tarps off. So let's go to break early. Kevin Gorg from Valley Sports North. He will join us next. The Wild take on the Flyers a little over a half hour from now. You'll be able to hear that game right here on the fan pregame after KFN Wild Weekly is over with Kevin Falness starting at 645. But we'll talk with the other Kevin, Kevin Gorg, Valley Sports North, previewing Wild Flyers next right here on the fan. Hey, welcome back to KFN Wild Weekly. Brandon Molesky along with Kevin Falness. And we move on to my favorite Kevin associated with Minnesota Wild Hockey. That would be... Kevin Gore from Valley Sports North. KG, how are you doing tonight? Appreciate your time. Great to be with you guys, as always, B. We're hanging in there, right? It's uh, It's been a tough uh, tough goal over here for our favorite hockey team. We're hoping this weekend can turn things around a little bit, but uh, doing great. Now, I always love to ask you the goaltending stuff because I have zero um, analysis when it comes to uh, goaltending. I don't know how to figure it out. Talk to me about the debut of uh, Jesper Volstead. What did you see from him? And then a two-part question, I guess, since Fallness might change the subject. Um, what 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 is it about the goaltender position that se- seems to take a lot longer to develop, right? So a lot of times you see these guys kind of sprout up at like 24, 25, whereas players, skaters can can develop a little quicker. So two-part question, your thoughts on Volstead's performance and why the goaltending position overall takes longer to develop? Well, I think it's a difficult position to make the transition to the pros uh, for a multitude of reasons, and I think the biggest reason is the the skill level of the shooters, and we saw some of that a couple nights ago. I think goaltenders reach their prime from 25 to 30, and I think you can see players like Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Boldy, some of these weapons that skate uh, in that prime a little earlier in, in the mid-20s. Um, you know, I, I thought the debut was okay. The numbers weren't good. Anytime you let in seven, yeah. it's disappointing. And, uh, you know, just for, for Wallstead, the timing of it, 
I, I think it was great to get him a game, but it, it wasn't a perfect scenario, not at all. He had been injured for a couple of weeks, missed a bunch of time in Iowa, hustled back, played a couple games the weekend before, didn't play great in either one of those games in the AHL, and then gets kind of thrust into this tough spot where the Wild are clearly not at full strength, playing a Dallas team that's rolling, and you know the result was fairly predictable. I didn't see seven coming, but it was going to be a difficult win for him to get. The, the disappointing part, I think he'd be the first to admit to it, is a couple of those pucks you want to have back. The one off the back dasher, mm-hmm. you don't let that puck come through the blue paint. And then I, I still think a guy his size is going to evolve into a guy that's going to be a tremendous NHL goalie because he's athletic. He's been working on his explosiveness, but I thought he was too far back in the net in Dallas. I thought he was a little bit apprehensive. That that comes with the territory of playing with some of those nerves and not having that swagger or confidence that you can go out there at the NHL level. But you know, anybody around the team associated with this guy, and I think you talk to scouts and coaches on the opposition, and we talked to a bunch of people on that trip to Sweden, the analysis is there that everybody agrees this kid is going to be a special, special goalie, and this is just step one in that process. Didn't go the way he wanted, but it's all a part of that learning curve. One game in the NHL for Jesper Volstead, 1,004 for Marc-Andre Fleury. <laughs> so as we talk about some of the positives, this is a guy that's looking to create history once again tonight, looking for 552 wins in the National Hockey League. How much have you enjoyed being a fly on the wall of watching this guy do his job there on the ice. I think we're all going to look back, Kev, uh, 10, 15, 20 years down the road and say how lucky we were to have had that time with Marc-Andre Fleury here for two, three, four seasons, whatever it ends up being. He's a special guy off the ice. We've talked about it a ton, but he's a remarkable player on the ice. And we've always enjoyed watching him from afar, going back to his days in Pittsburgh, and just seeing him every day, the way he treats people, the way he prepares, the way he practices, the passion he has for hockey. And then kind of bringing this full circle to back to Brandon's question, like the time that, that he's getting to be around Marc-Andre Fleury for, for Ballstad, this is incredible. This is a big part of that, about that process and what I need to do to be uh, successful at this level for a long time. Marc-Andre Fleury's had an effect on every part, everybody in that room. The butterfly effect, I have conversations with Brock Faber and Marco Rossi and Matt Boldy and Kirill Kaprizov. I mean, Bill Guerin moving him in here was just fine from a hockey standpoint, but if you look at the ripple effect that this guy has brought to this locker room, to this organization, and the lessons learned for the young players that are going to be the core of this team for 5, 10, maybe 15 years to come, you can't put a price tag on that. So I'm super excited to see the record. I'm super excited to have another fun interview with you know, just a remarkable guy. And I think it's great for everybody that follows this team to have something like Marc-Andre Fleury hitting this benchmark of 552 wins. The sooner it happens, the better. Let's hope it happens right away this weekend. But it's just been a blessing to be around this guy. We're talking with Kevin Gore from Valley Sports North. Wild take on the Flyers tonight at 7 o'clock. Um, Kevin, I, you know, the, the Wild had a pretty darn good December going. Then he hit Christmas. And then it was almost like those two games versus Winnipeg just completely derailed the season, obviously, with the – the, the cross-checks on uh, Kirill Kaprizov, second time now in two years that he's been hurt up in Winnipeg. Uh, maybe you don't want to answer this question, but is there uh, is there something going on? Obviously, the, the, the cross-checks didn't look vicious, but the fact that it's, it seems like a quite the coincidence that he's been hurt now twice there in two different years. Is, is there something going on with, with, the, with the Winnipeg and how they want to attack Kirill Kaprizov? And then how would you feel about how Hartman answered it with, uh, with the high stick on Perfetti? Well, I don't think it's just Winnipeg. I think it goes back to what we saw in Boston a couple years ago with that hit. 
uh, back to the playoffs last year with Ryan Suter. When you have the skill set that Kirill Kaprizov possesses, every team is going to mark him. And I think until the league cleans some of this stuff up, and I'm speaking specifically to your question on what happened in Winnipeg this year, what happened last year in that playoff series with Dallas, these blatant cross-checks where star players are injured, the only way this is ever going to go away is if it's called consistently in this league, and it's not. And I don't understand it because there's been conversations in multiple years where they're going to they're going to now step up and make these calls they're going to take out cross-checking they're going to keep these guys honest well they haven't done it and and it's just disappointing to me so I don't think it's Winnipeg related Um, as far as the Hartman stuff goes listen we all know who Ryan Hartman is we're around him every day and he and all his teammates were very frustrated leaving that game both last year and this year so there's going to be I think some frustration that boils over in situations like that. I don't like high sticks either. Um, I, I'm much more about, you know, let's do it clean or let's go out there and drop the mitts. We saw it that actually later in that game where Dylan was forced to fight. I, You know what? It, the, the referees have control. The league has control here. And you're right. For this hockey team, uh, they were 11-3 and under Hines. They had swept the Boston Bruins. They've put themselves back into a position to compete for a playoff spot and look like a team that was really going to be set and sail for a great second half. And that weekend against the Jets set them back, you know, not just on the ice because their game now has kind of gone the wrong way on it, but more importantly off the ice because they've got things out of their control. They were already missing players like Spurgeon and Brodeen. Then Gus Bus goes out in that game, and, and obviously Kaprizov just really moves the needle for this hockey club. They're all getting closer. They've been skating on their own, and, and as we record this on Friday morning, they weren't skating on their own, which leads me to believe they likely will join the team soon. So we're getting closer to it, but it's getting late early. We're at almost the exact halfway point of the season, and the Wild are going to need another couple 11-3 and three runs, winning 7-8 of eight to get back in it. I think there are some teams in the West they, they can clearly uh, – make some ground up on. And I think if you look at their schedule in February and March, it's super favorable for the Wild. But they've got to get going here real soon. Look at that Western Conference. And, and when you talk about the Dallas Stars, you expected them to be in the top three in the uh, Central Division, of course. But the Winnipeg Jets, w- that we got to see, I mean, they're legit. And I didn't buy into them coming into this season. They've won eight in a row. They're number one in the NHL now in terms of points. Number two is Vancouver. I mean, just shocking what's going on in the uh, Western Conference. Well, it starts with Hellebuck. When he's on, when he's healthy, um, he's an elite goalie. He's one of the best five goalies in the world right now, and he's playing like it. And they're winning games uh, that when they don't have their best stuff. There was a game this week against the Blackhawks who are banged up with no Bedard, or the Blackhawks led one nothing the entire game. The Jets had really laid a clunker out there, and then they scored two late goals to get the victory. You look at those two games against the Wild, specifically the game here in St. Paul, they're finding ways to win games when they don't have their best stuff. They're putting streaks together. And I think right now, if you're in the Western Conference, it's really hard to look at the West and not think that the top six spots are locked up. I mean, Mm -hmm. Vancouver on the other side of the division is kind of the Winnipeg on the Western side. They have been unbelievable, and they continue to win hockey games. A big win at Pittsburgh this week on the road. Brock Besser approaching 30 goals scored already for the season. He only scored 17 last year. But uh, the top six spots are probably locked up. So you look at, in our division, clearly you look at Colorado, 
You look at Winnipeg and Dallas, they're all locked in. On the other side of the division, I think the Kings are a terrific team. Vancouver's there. Vegas is there. So those six spots are locked up. And then if you're the Wild, you've got seven teams now competing for two spots. And, oh, by the way, one of those two teams uh, or two spots likely goes to Edmonton, who's on a roll themselves one after nine a perfect in a row. start. Yeah. So now you've got six teams for one spot. So yeah. the, room, the, the, the room for error right now is, is very slim for Minnesota. And that's why this weekend, three games and four nights at the XL Energy Center, big crowd likely going to be on hand. This is a pivotal, pivotal weekend. Uh, let's talk about something positive, KG. How about the, the progression and ascension of Brock Faber? You, know, you go back to last year where he just played the final couple games, did so good in those few games that he put himself onto the playoff roster despite not playing all season, uh, but played a third-pairing role. And in the offseason, you're kind of like, hey, can this guy be a top-four guy that can step in for Matt Dumbo? Not only has he done that, but he's you know, been your best defenseman. He's in the Calder conversation right now. I've even heard people throw him out in the Norris conversation. I know it's a small sample size here, Kevin, but are, are you ready to call Brock Faber an elite defenseman, or where, where, would, you, where would you rank him? He sure looks like he's going to be an elite defenseman for a long time. Um, what's remarkable about Faber, Tennebee, is we see the the great stuff on the ice. i got to tell you, off the ice, he's even better. I mean, he is just humble pie, easy to work with. And because of the injuries to, to Brodine and Spurgeon, he's done a lot more work on the ice. I'm talking 30 minutes a night. But he's also been forced to do a lot more work off the ice. For a rookie, he is one of the go-to guys, and Faulness knows this, in the locker room. He's a terrific soundbite, so he's doing – all of that, he's got a charitable endeavor with his glasses, and he comes to the rink with a smile on his face every day and works his butt off. So super excited about the potential that he brings. And think about this. He played for a gopher team last year that made a run to a national championship game, the longest college season you can have. He played 38 games in those, what, six, seven months? He's been here now for three and a half, four months, and he's already played 40 games, and he's playing 30 minutes a night against the best players in the world, and he's putting up incredible numbers. It's remarkable how quick this transition has been for Faber. I think we all saw him at the U of M and thought he'd be a solid NHL defenseman. To your point, Tennebee, we watched him last year, and I think he forced the hand of the coaching staff last year with those last couple regular season games. They're like, hey, we've got something here. Got right onto that playoff roster, played terrific in the playoffs, and now we're seeing him take another huge step. So right now, I, I think he's knocking on the door to not only being an elite defenseman, to, but maybe to be one of the best that's ever played in this organi- organization. And it's early. It's still year one. But, man, this kid has a ton of potential. I'm going to take you and hit you out of left field with this one, but I think you're going to like this question. Hmm. I know you like the NHL. You like college hockey. But you also have a special feeling when it comes to high school hockey. And one of our buddies is stepping away after 60 years behind yeah. the mic. What, where did it hit you between the eyes, or did it hit you between the eyes, when Lou Nanny says after 60 years he's done with the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament? Well, it's my entire lifetime plus a couple years. So I've been watching Louie since I was a little kid, and, and he is iconic. He is the voice of that brilliant tournament. And I get it. I understand it. I'll be lucky enough next week on, on Bally Sports to be working with Louie on our swing through Florida and Carolina. We're going to have him back on. It's it's just terrific. But it makes me sad, right? It's the end of an era that we've grown up with and we've lived with through all these years. And, you know, for all of us that work with the Minnesota Wild, we're usually on the road. So we're logging on and watching on our laptop, and that is the voice we hear every single year. And he's so good at it. I don't know how you replace him. I mean, you talk about big shoes. It's impossible <laughs> to replace a legend like Lou Nanny. 
but I'm sad. And I guess we just have to soak up what we get this year in March and, and enjoy it and then live through all those great memories. And I always come back to one of the greatest games in the history of that tournament, the uh, multiple overtimes with Duluth East and Apple Valley and he and Wally Shaver on that call. I could watch that game on repeat almost every night of my life. It's just incredible. And then knowing how much Louie hated overtime games because he usually had a reservation at Mancini's um, just makes me giggle and, and enjoy it that much more. That still to this day is the greatest sporting event I've ever attended. Uh, 45 seconds left, KG, and you get it all. Mm. Uh, Flyers tonight, can you give us a little preview of what you expect out of Philadelphia? They're just a hard-working team. Think of their coach, Tortorella, and what he demands. Uh, think of a guy like Nick Sealer, who we got to know here well in Minnesota. He typifies who the Flyers are. They don't have a ton of talent. They got a lot of grit. They work their butts off. This is going to be a great test for Minnesota. And I think if the Wild can get off to a good start, West Walls on our conference call just talked about this. Get the big guys going. Get the Maroons and the Felinos going. Get the bodies banging Get physical, get the crowd into the game, and get a lead. Minnesota has been chasing and chasing and chasing. You're going to beat the Flyers. I think you got to do it by getting a lead early and feeding off the awesome crowds we have here in St. Paul. KG, thanks as always for your time. I'll be watching you tonight on Valley Sports North. Thanks, Tennessee. But you'll have the volume muted. <laughs> I'll have it muted so I can listen to Kevin Falness oh, boy. and Joe O'Donnell and Tom Reed. Thanks, KG. Thank you, guys. He's Kevin Falness. I'm Brandon Molesky. This has been another edition of KFN Wild Weekly. Fallness is back next right here with the Wild Pregame right here on The Fan.